have been for some weeks looking at the atonement. And uh, I keep thinking in my mind, we're going to wrap this up. <laughs> and, uh, it, it, and I'm just going to not think that way anymore. So we're just going to move with it as long as the Lord is moving with it. That's, that's the way we're going to handle this, okay? So in Hebrews 8, which we've read, we're going to turn to Hebrews 8. And before I turn there, I, I read this definition last week, and let me read it to you again on atonement. And the word atonement means a covering, to cover, to appease, to satisfy. One, one definition was to satisfy an angry God. And I said this last week, I'm not so sure about that, but okay. It's the satisfaction of God. And, uh, and, and that part I, I do agree with. And I agree with the covering. We're covered with Christ. He's our atonement. He's our covering. And as we look at this, you, you know, we, we understand the atonement is not something in the future. It's something he is. See, see, I think, I think that has to become the reality. This, every one of these feasts, uh, whether it's Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles, it's something he is. It's something Christ himself is and something he's made unto us. He's made that to us. And, and that's what the feasts really find all their fulfillment in him. So he came. The old covenant feast had never been fulfilled. Couldn't be. Because it spoke of him. So there was no way of fulfillment without him coming. It was impossible because it spoke of him. The whole scripture speaks of him. So the definition of anything in the scripture, it's like me and Brother Jimmy a lot of times uh, get into Greek words and Hebrew words and Chaldean words. And I love to do that. I love to search these words out because there's a lot of times so much more meaning than what our English words really give them. But even in that, if you don't see the Lord in it, you just have a good definition. And that's, that's all we'll get is, okay, we have a better definition of what the word means. And that doesn't necessarily get us, well, not just necessarily, it doesn't get us to where we want to get. It just doesn't do it. It can't. That's why everything has to come to him. Everything. He's the fullness that fills all things. So when I'm looking at atonement, I'm looking at him. 
See, see, if Christians, and I'm trying to get off of this and go into Hebrews 8, but it's here. If Christians would get this with anything they're looking at, whether, whether it's atonement, whether it's uh, resurrection, whether it's new bodies, whether it's all these things we look at and consider, if we would look at him for the definition of it, he defines it. Because if I define it myself, there's one thing for sure. My definition's probably wrong. It's not probably. It is wrong. That's where I've been on a subject on Sunday mornings on the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and in the first chapter of Corinthians, Paul makes this comment that there be no divisions among you and that you all speak the same thing. And you look at the church system and you say, how could that ever be possible? With all the doctrines, all the teachings, all the stuff that's out here. Well, the only way it would be possible is for the Spirit of God to reveal Jesus Christ. That's the only way it could ever be possible that we all speak the same thing. Otherwise, it'll always come, well, I have my view on this. And, 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 and honestly, my view I think, I think Brother Jimmy would say something like this. So I'm on Brother Jimmy tonight, but he'd probably say something cute like this. My view in a dollar fifty would get you a cup of coffee. It's not a quarter anymore to get you a cup of coffee. So, so you, 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 you know, you know, that's what you would get out of it. My view. And this is what a lot of Christians live in is someone's view. And this is really important for where we're going tonight. I, I, I was kind of inside saying, why am I here? And, and now I know because of where we're headed in this picture of the high priest and the atonement. In Hebrews 8, which we've read a number of times, the scripture says, now in the things which we are saying, the chief point is this, or this is the sum. We have such a high priest who has sat down on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. So he sat down in the heavens, our high priest. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, wherefore, it is necessary that this high priest also have somewhat to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, seeing there are also there are those, seeing there are those who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve that which is a copy and shadow of heavenly things. And this is what I want you to hear tonight: heavenly. Christ is set at the throne of the majesty in the heavens. The 
things of the old that we've looked at are a picture, a type of heavenly things. So they served, the writer says, as a copy and shadow of heavenly things. And we're going to look at that heavenly things. I just, just want to stress that. Even as Moses is warned of God when he is about to make the tabernacle for sea, saith he, that thou should make all things according to the pattern that was showed thee in the mount. So you have a pattern shown in the mount. And the pattern that was shown in the mount is a heavenly pattern. But it's a pattern. It's a pattern. So what are heavenly things? By the scripture. I really want our minds to get out of what we think of with heavenly things. And I want us to look at the scripture in regard to heavenly things. And I want us to ask the Father to reveal Christ in us in the truth of heavenly things. So in John 3, John 3, the Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except one be born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except one be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born anew. The wind blows where it will, and thou hearest the voice thereof, but knowest not whence it comes and where it goes. So is everyone born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou the teacher of Israel, and understandeth not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that which we know, and bear witness of that which we have seen, and you receive not our witness. If I told you earthly things. Now look at this. If I told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Okay. And no one hath ascended into heaven, but he that descended out of heaven even the Son of Man who is in heaven. So Jesus said, no one has ascended into heaven, 
but the son of man that came out of heaven and that even he is in heaven. Okay, so we're going to talk about what does that mean? Because Christ is the high priest of good things to come. And the things that were to come were heavenly. And John 3, I think, is, is one of the best pictures in your Bible to understand, to, to see it in the scripture anyway. That being born of man is earthy. Okay, it's that simple. Being born of spirit is heavenly. So heavenly things are spiritual things. It's that simple. If it's spiritual, and that's what Jesus was telling Nicodemus, was a spiritual thing, that is a heavenly thing. So when I go back and read Hebrews 8, that the pattern was a type or a copy of heavenly things, the pattern of the tabernacle was a type and copy of a heavenly thing. Well, the tabernacle we are in Christ is not a type of a heavenly thing. It is the heavenly thing. It is the heavenly abode of God because it came out of God. That's what makes it heavenly. Whose builder and maker is God. Christ is a son over his own house, whose house we are. See, 1 Corinthians 15 says, the first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from where? Heaven. As we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heaven. And see, we're a house from the heavenly one. That's what we are. So let's, let's just carry this on a little bit further here. So in, in Hebrews 9, you have verse 11, Hebrews 9, verse 11. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered into, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes and heifers sprinkling the unclean sanctify the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So Christ entered into God himself. That's where he entered. Okay. He said, praise in John 17. He says, Father, glorify me with thy own self. In John 16, he said, he came forth from the Father and came into the world. And again, I leave the world and go back where? To the Father. So he came out of God, and he went back into God. He went into heaven, the abode of God, the presence of God. He went into heaven it, it itself. Verse 
Hebrews 9.24 says, For Christ is not entered into holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world have he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And it's appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Now, the traditional teaching of this is someday Jesus will appear unto, unto salvation. Well, do you not have salvation right now? I mean, I mean, are you saved or not? So he appears the second time, not unto sin, but he appears unto salvation. Well, what does that mean? You know, there's so much here to say. I've got to watch my time tonight. Because I want to hit these things. He appears unto salvation. What is salvation? For example, you're a new creation. That's salvation. You're not the old creation. You're a new creation, creative God in Christ Jesus. That is salvation. And the only way you really know you're a new creation is when he appears. When he appears in you, you know you're the creation of God. Because you begin to see that through Christ. Amen? So you see that you're a new creation. You see that you're the habitation of God. You see that you're the abode of God. And all that is made real through him. See, that's him appearing unto salvation because that's where he saved you at is in himself. He's brought you to himself. Now, now go to John 14. John 14, 3. Jesus says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there, you may be also. Okay? If I go and prepare the place for you, and see, this is what I was saying last week. Christ entered in to God himself. Okay, just like the, the high priest of the old covenant entered into the holy of holies himself. And all Israel stood on the outside. But he came back out and showed himself to them. He came out of that temple, that tabernacle, and what did he do? He appeared. He appeared in full redemption. He appeared in full salvation. That's what he did when he came out of the temple. He appeared that he was accepted of God, and they were received unto him. All of Israel in type and shadow was received unto the high priest. 
That's what, that's, that's what Hebrews 9 is about, is the high priest of God. It's not about the second coming like people have taught it. It's about Christ as a high priest. That's what it, I mean, Hebrews 8 and 9 tells you that. That as the high priest, he's entering into the house of God to complete the work of God, bearing the sins of many, bearing the judgment of sin, carrying it to its finality, and then appearing in the midst of his brethren. That's what he does. He appears in the midst of his brethren. Glory to God. So here he says, I go and prepare a place well, where he was going. He wasn't going to build mansions. He was going to the cross. I go and prepare a place for you. He went to death, burial, and resurrection. That's where he went. To bring you to himself, that where I am there, you may be also. Now, in verse 10 here, he says really the same thing he said in John 3. John 3, I want to remind you what he said. He said, the Son of Man is in heaven. Okay? said so that no one has ascended into heaven, but the Son of Man which came down from heaven, who is in heaven. When well, verse 10, he said, believest thou not that I am in the Father? Being in the Father and being in heaven, they're not two different things. Okay? Heaven is the abode of God. Heaven is God's throne. Heaven is God's dominion. Jesus, dwelling on earth, was living in heaven. That it mean he was a thousand miles up in the sky or 10,000 miles beyond the Milky Way. He was living in the reality of God. He wasn't living in the reality of the earth man. I, I wrote in my notes, and, and this is going to uh, sound a little, I don't know, you may, may say controversial, but it's okay. Heaven, heavenly, is a state of being. Now, what do you mean, Brother Wayne, it's a state of being? Earthy is a state of being. If my being is an atom, I'm earthy. Because he's an earth man. He's a natural man. Right? That's a state of being. The natural man is a state of being. If I'm living in the heavens... I'm living in the state of being as being in Christ. That's how you live in the heavens. You live in Christ Jesus. That's heavenly. That's a heavenly state of being. It's just living in Christ Jesus. Because he's not earthly. He's not carnal. He's spiritual. And spiritual is heavenly. And that's what Hebrews 9 is talking about, a heavenly offering for heavenly things that a people would have the mind of Christ. Can, you not, can we not reckon that the mind of Christ is heavenly? That if we have the thoughts of Christ in our heart, if we have the, 
this, the peace and joy of Christ in our heart. Can we not get a hold of this, that that's heavenly, that's not earthly, that's not sensual? But that's that that we read in James that comes down from the Father of lights that comes out of heaven. Because what's coming out of heaven is that of him. It's that of him. He fills, Ephesians 1 tells us, he fills what? Heaven and earth. So if he begins to fill me with himself, that's heavenly. That's heavenly. Glory to God. And so, so Jesus said in John 14, 3, that I come, I will, if I go and prepare a place, I will come and receive you unto myself that where I am. And John 14, 10, he says, I am in the Father. And the Father is in me. That's where he says he is. Now, now how is he in the Father, but yet going to go back to the Father? Because he's already in that state of being, even up on the earth. But he's leaving the earth realm and going back to the spirit. He came out of God and came into the earth. Again, he leaves the world and goes back to the Father. And he says that in John 14, 16, that he will pray and God's going to give you another comforter that he may be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive for it. Behold of him, not neither knoweth him. Ye know him, for he abideth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you desolate. I will come to you. This is how he's going to come to you through the spirit of truth. And he comes to you to impart himself, to dwell in you. I come unto you yet a little while in the world, behold of me no more, but you behold me because I live, you shall live also. In that day you shall know I am in my Father. Ye are in me and I'm in you. If I'm in him and he's in me, would it not be true that he's brought me to himself, just like he said in John 14, 3? If I'm in him and he's in me, but what we're looking to do is physical eyes. Let me see that. Let me touch that with my hands. You know, because I've got to put my hands around. But God desired truth in the inward parts, in the heart of man. God desired his life in you. Because it's what's in you that affects that that comes out of you. Right? So if Christ is revealed in me, in his person, it's going to affect that that comes out of me. Sure it is. So if my whole state of being is changed from the natural man to the heavenly man, that... That's not, I'll fly away, oh glory. That's being transformed to the image of his son. That is Christ being revealed in you. That's what this is. And, and this offering he made 
wasn't just to get us out of sins. It was. It got us out of sins. But it was to bring us to what he is. And this is why Christians aren't fulfilled in their Christian walk. Because they don't know what Jesus did. That he didn't just get you out of sin. He brought you to himself. That's, that's the story in John 14. That's what he's telling them. I'm going to bring you to myself. I'm going to bring you where I am. Well, he's standing right there with them. Well, where you at, Jesus? He's right there with them. But he was in a whole different reality of life. Whole different reality was standing in their midst, demonstrating the Father. It's what Hebrews 1 means. He was the express image of God. He wasn't expressing the Adamic man. He was expressing what God is. So his state of being was not Adamic. He had an Adamic body. He had a natural body. But the life in him was spirit. And that's the truth of the salvation we now have through him. He is our life. Now, now that's, a, that's so important to get a hold of. We're not separate. We, we don't have this spiritual life separate than Jesus. Because sometimes we get this concept like it's separate than him. And it's not. It's him in us. And the spiritual life we have is him that's in us. Glory to God. And when we really get a hold of that, what glory we begin to see. Because all at once we realize, well, I can't work this up. Because a lot of Christians are, you know, even kingdom-minded Christians, they're trying to work this thing up. They're trying to get there. But the only way to get there is for Christ himself to be unveiled. That's why, that's why Paul writes what he writes. Turn there, 2 Corinthians 3. Now, I had a whole bunch more scriptures, and, and I guess we'll just have to wait, Lord willing, the next week. 2 Corinthians 3. To me, 2 Corinthians 3 is the picture of the cherubims of glory. That's what, to me, this is, is that picture beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord. We are changed into the same image. Start about verse 15. But in the... But unto this day, whensoever Moses is read, a veil lieth upon their heart. So there's a veil. What's the veil? The carnal, the natural understanding. That's lying on their heart. Okay? So they read the scripture, and what's on their heart is the natural understanding. But whensoever it shall turn to the Lord, that's the heart. The veil is taken away. 
Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord, the spirit. So we're transformed to the same image by beholding the glory of the Lord. That's how we're transformed. So if I don't behold the glory of the Lord, I can't be transformed. You ever, you ever see that? You can't, you, you can't work your way into transformation. You have to behold his glory. And you're transformed by the spirit of the Lord. And see that to me is the picture of the cherubim because when you read the story of the, of the Ark of the Covenant and the cherubim, it says they were one beaten work. So they were beaten out of that seat of gold or into that seat and gold, seat of gold. And it's one, this is what I'm doing with my hands, one work. So they're in his work and they're beholding him. And that's why they're heavenly beings that are pure gold because they're beholding the glory of the Lord. That's what our salvation is, is to behold his glory. Hallelujah. And let it fill us. Yes, sir. Beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, looking and seeing him. To be transformed into the same image. That's seen. That's the transforming of the heart. That's what will change your vile body and fashion it like his glorious body. That you'll understand now you are the body of Christ. You're no longer the body of the old man. You're no longer even, even the body of Judaism, the body of the law. See, that was a body there. The, even the law itself was a body. You're no longer under the body of the law. You're now the body of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. This is our salvation. Seeing the victory of him, what it means that he entered back into God. You can read Revelation 4 and 5. I was going to read that. For time's sake, I'll make a couple of comments there. But when John looked in Revelation, he saw one on the throne in chapter 4. And he gives a description. And then he comes into chapter 5, and behold, the Lamb of God is in the throne. And in the midst of the elders. Not only in the throne, in the midst of the elders, in the midst of 
everything is this lamb having been slain, having the seven spirits of God. What does that mean? The sevenfold spirit of God, the fullness of God, just like you read in Colossians, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, the whole entirety of God in him. And you are complete in him. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God, because his work completes you. Now, I may not comprehend all of the completion of God that's in Christ, but I believe with all my heart his work completed me. Because only he could do that. And I want to see him hear his voice and be transformed and see a people transformed in the earth to bear the glory of God, that the light of God would come out of them. That, folks, is salvation. That to me is him appearing unto salvation. That the light of the glory of God is coming out of a people. A people's declaring him, even speaking as the Father speaks, so do I speak. I'm one with the Lord, not through my effort, but through the one that's living in me, and now I am his body. Glory to the Lamb of the living God. That is salvation. That's what we have. Well, I'll stop here tonight, and we'll just open it up, and I'll open it up with uh, Brother Jimmy Lewis.